0: You know that man. He used to be invisible, but I think he lost his powers. I told you to ask for my help before it was to me. What kind of a, a sick, twisted place do you come from? They wanted perfect soldiers. Brian Boxer's son, O one.
1: one Travels using water. Girls can guess. Owen, oh, how do you feel?
0: Wake up! This isn't just about you anymore, Charlie. This is a sci-fi rewind with Kevin Batchelder, Miles P. McLaughlin, and Scott Herzog. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Rewind, the collaborative effort between the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast and the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. I'm Scott Hertzog, uh, One of the hosts of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. With me is...
1: This is Kevin Batchelder from Tuning Into Sci-Fi
0: TV. Yeah, and, uh, and we're doing two episodes here. We actually, uh, Kevin jumped on board for our main show because Mike, uh, Mike, yeah, I can't even remember my co-host's name, uh, because Miles got into an accident this morning. We had some snow down here, and it was uh, slippy enough, causing a bunch of accidents, and unfortunately, Miles slid his truck into a telephone pole, so not good. But uh, he's fine, and uh, he uh, wasn't really planning to be on the Sci-Fi Rewind anyways tonight, so kind of works out but yep but uh, both of us have finished watching our tv shows and uh <clears throat> let's uh let's start out with i guess maybe a little bit of a rating on our shows and then we'll actually get into the nuts and bolts about what we thought of these shows and um so maybe on a scale of one to ten as far as series comparing it to series that you watch kevin where would you place dark angel on a, on a, on a scale of one to ten here
1: I would probably give it about a, hmm, I'd say about a seven and a half. Mm. You know, at at times it was a strong eight and a half or nine. Other times it slipped down to a six. But overall, very solid. You know, definitely something uh, any big genre fan will want to see.
0: Right, right. And then for Charlie Jade, for me, I I think I would have to rate this series um, about a six. It's not uh, that may sound low. There was a lot about Charlie Jade that I absolutely loved, uh, and then there were some things that that I felt when I compare it to other series, I've 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 seen that it doesn't quite maybe hold up as well as maybe I would have hoped. Um, I really enjoyed the series, as you'll find out later on, but it gets a six, uh, maybe six and a half from me. Gotcha. But
1: yeah. Yeah, lots as the saying goes on both shows I think the devils in the details we'll have to <laughs> talk it out. Yeah. So you can uh, listeners can decide if either or both of these shows is something they want to sample if they haven't had a chance to yet.
0: And I know we said this before the last show but we're going to be talking about the shows and how they kind of wrapped up for us and uh, no guarantees that we will not dip into some spoilers here. So this is not necessarily a spoiler-free show, so if you're curious about Charlie Jade or about Dark Angel and you want to find out more about them, uh, we will be giving you some information about them, but there might be some spoilers. So if you are want to be spoiler free, go watch the episodes and then come back and listen to this. But, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely. It's, uh, we can't do them justice without uh, telling exactly what we thought about everything.
0: No, that's for sure. Uh, Kevin, why don't you go in and talk a little bit, uh, I guess, about, let's start with Dark Angel tonight. Tell me about Dark Angel. You finished the two uh two uh the two seasons and how'd that all go for you?
1: Well, I think last time we talked, I probably had uh maybe half or or the back third left on uh, Dark Angel. Uh so just to kind of you know wrap up the whole series and also kind of how it finished out. Again, it um and I touched on this, and people who've seen the series know this, the tone of the series changed quite a bit when you went to series, uh, season two. And I don't mean that in a bad way, I just mean the show itself, the core of, of what the uh, mission was, if you will, the tone, uh, got a lot more uh, episode of the weekish in the second season. Uh, it, it moved to be more of an ensemble show. Uh, and uh, that was good in spots, but not so good in some other spots. So, um if you're the type who likes a, a really uh, heavy myth arc and you want to focus on a single character and you you want something where you feel like you can't miss an episode, then that's what the first season was very much like. If you prefer something that you can almost just jump in or, or catch an episode here and not really worry about about what happened in the previous one, that's often how season two kind of went. So I think it's important if you do go to watch it that you keep that in mind because if you're expecting a full throttle run for two full seasons, you ain't going to get it.
0: So you kind of uh, get that for the first season and second epi- second season it runs almost – we have this term when fringe and we talk about these Monster of the Week episodes, kind of the episodes yeah. that you can just kind of get in. and there doesn't play a lot into the mythology of the show and uh, that seems to be what I'm hearing about season two.
1: Yeah, I mean there's definitely story elements that are running throughout the entire season. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like it's uh, the same, you know, myth arc heavy thing like you said. So, you know, it, but I still enjoyed quite a bit of it. There's there's some great characters that you didn't have, you know, back in season 1 that were fun to see. Some recognizable faces. I think I've mentioned on previous episodes we ended up with actually having four of the cast of BSG have a part in uh, Dark Angel, some very tiny parts, but some you know for several episodes. So that's kind of fun if you're going back to see some faces you'll dec- definitely recognize. Um, but uh, it's certainly something that if you say you're a genre fan, you're going to want to check it out. There's a lot of folks that are really, really big fans of of Dark Angel for the character Max, you know, played by Jessica Alba. Uh, she's a very strong female lead. Uh, again, the show was made back right around 2000. Uh, With the exception of someone like Buffy, there weren't a lot of those uh, at the time. So, you know, uh, she's very easy on the eyes, but she's also a very strong and and principled character. So it's nice to see that. You certainly can identify and appreciate what's happening there. So I I really overall enjoyed the series. I I thought they did a good job, you know, creating a post-apocalyptic world to a certain degree with not a big budget to do it. Uh, and, And some serious story elements running here and there. So... You know, there's lots of fun had here. I mean, near the end of the season, they kind of brought things back. I mean, Max uh, is a bit of a genetically engineered, uh, I don't want to say creature, person. That's part of where the debate came, you know. Near the end of the series, they got into the whole, you know, if you're genetically engineered, are you really human? Are you entitled to the same rights as other people? Uh, Some of the characters were visibly different, so you could tell they were genetically engineered. Folks like Max and some other folks. You really couldn't tell except for their uh, skill sets being able to be much faster and so forth. So, you know, they started to play with that a little bit at the end of season two, which, you know, if the series had continued, certainly was a worthwhile place to go. But it wasn't the same kind of like the first season where it was max on the run, you know, underground, no one knows we're here kind of thing. That kind of changed. So you lost some of the edge that you had in the first season. So, again, it almost sounds like I'm being negative, but I'm not. I'm, You know, very enjoyable, very very big genre elements in here uh, and some, some well-done characters too that developed throughout the show.
0: Hmm. So it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like, uh, I mean, where does Max end up at the end of season two? Hello? Oh.
1: Well, at the end of season two, what's basically happened is that uh, a lot of these folks that were genetically engineered folks, um, be they disfigured or, or, uh, or, you know, very normal looking, all have basically come together to take over a part of the city. You know, in this future in Seattle, a lot of the city is very run down uh, from a poverty point of view. And basically because the government and a lot of people have started to get very negative about these whole genetically engineered creatures, uh, they all band together to create their own section of town. Uh, okay. So, you know, it's kind of like them against the world kind of thing. And uh, uh, now- So at the end, we're left with that situation where they've created a kind of a line between the The regular folks and these folks and and where they're going to go from there, we don't know because that's actually how it ends is them establishing their own uh, place
0: in the world. Now, so so does it it seem like the series was – they left it in such a place that they were anticipating a third season or did they know that they were done when they wrapped up the season too?
1: From what I've read, this was one of those cases where the ratings were lower so they weren't sure and it literally came down to – you know a last minute decision by fox not to renew it so the showrunners had left things open enough that it could have continued but not cliffhangery that the you know the fans didn't want to lynch them kind of thing mm-hmm. so i think it was kind of those you know we didn't really have this was a friday evening show so they kind of knew you know it wasn't looking great but uh, there was still a chance and apparently some positive uh, spin that there was you know going to come back but it never did
0: So what, you know, in your mind, as you watched the show, Kevin, what were some of the elements that stick out as being the strongest things about, uh, Dark Angel for people that are really interested in Dark Angel? What are the things that really popped out of you that said this show, this makes this show a standout show? What made it earn, you know, as high rating of a 7.5 that you gave it earlier on?
1: I would say very much being able to watch a uh, strong female protagonist lead, um, you know the the character of Max. You know, along with having all these super fighting skills and uh, super fast movement and all these other things. Um, it's when it Jessica still came Alba, of course, <laughs> and it's just you know, like I said, yes, easy on the eyes. Let's be obvious here. Um, but uh, but no, when it came down to things that were happening, you know, and Max had to make decisions. She always chose the right way to do things. Okay, you got a very positive influence of of things in here. You know, if if there was a chance that. Uh, she might be able to find some of her missing brothers and sisters from the from the engineered lab where they all escaped from. You know, she was always trying to help them get away. Or if there was a chance to use some of the money she had maybe for her own benefit instead she'd give it to someone so they could, you know, buy themselves a ticket out of town or something else. So you always you know, you very much were, were a fan of what she was doing and could appreciate the approach she took. And and she was a lot of fun. She had a little sass, a little attitude. You know, got knocked down a few pegs sometimes because she was a little too cocky. But that's what you enjoy is seeing someone who's got a little swagger to him. Right. You know, right. there's also you know there's a bit of a a romantic side to things with uh, the character called Logan, who's kind of like the uh, the guy who had some money who was doing the same kind of things. Used his money to try to help folks, and oftentimes Max would do things to help out Logan who was taking down government corruption and other things like that. And they they created some sexual tension between the two of them. Um, you know, to throughout certainly season one into season two, so you know it made for some fun, you know, entertainment.
0: Now you mentioned earlier on that it didn't have the biggest budget in the world. How was the cinematography of you know now that you finished season two? did that end up working for the show, either for it or against it?
1: They they made it very believable, is what they did. I mean, in this, in the case of this show, for those who haven't seen it. The idea is that uh, I think terrorists had set off one of the, uh, a low-level uh, uh, EMP, you know, so all the computers in the world or in America or whatever, basically, it were turned into toasters, you know, they were of no use anymore. So it, it had a very big impact on the economies. Things became much more back to basics, you know, so folks, a lot of folks were living in the streets and in poverty. So it was easy to kind of create that. And you had a government that was a little too powerful, you know, it had... You had little, uh, almost like spaceship drones from the police department that flew around, keeping an eye on everybody. You had checkpoints to get in and out of the city kind of thing, you know, a little bit of the martial law approach. Mm. So, you know, even though we're going back 10 years for when the show originally was created, they did a good job of making that feel like you were there. Um, it so didn't have to have a big budget for special effects here and there a few little things, but it was mainly done by just thinking about how the average person would be dealing with these situations, uh, Max actually worked for a, a, a courier type service called Jam Pony. So, I mean, that, you know, that became much more important to deliver packages and things when you don't have an electronic world anymore. Uh, so a good part of that uh, stories take place at her and some of her other coworkers, uh, you know, in that location and some of the things that would happen to them. So it, it that made you feel like you had your, your comfort zone where you always were looking to see the characters work from.
0: Oh, very, very cool. Uh, well, what, anything else that stands out or anything else you want to mention about Dark, dark Angel before we move into some Charlie Jade stuff?
1: Uh, no, again, just the general thing that it's it's a lot of fun. There's a few dark storylines. There's some mm. very funny storylines. It does go the whole gambit, which is nice. And uh, yeah, again, if you someone somewhat appreciate seeing actors fairly early in their careers, you'll, you'll see several, whether it's those BSG folks or uh, – Jensen Ackles from Supernatural, you know, Jessica Alba 10 years ago, you know, you've got some folks, uh, uh, the gentleman who played uh, Logan, his name is escaping me, uh, now is a regular on NCIS, I think it is, so he's pretty well known too, so, you know, a lot of folks enjoy kind of seeing folks when they were a lot younger, and, and, uh, you know, it's it's a well-acted series.
0: Oh, well, very good. Well, I might have to catch that someday. I've only ever seen a few episodes, I think. Not enough to you know, etch it into my memory. So yeah, (laughs) well, let's talk about, uh, I guess let's move into talking about Charlie Jade a little bit. Uh, So I finished Charlie Jade. Talk about a series that did not have uh, much humor in it. (laughs) It's a pretty serious uh, show. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, I think it was a little bit too dark for Miles. I think he made it to about episode eight and said, the heck with this. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wait. Yeah, it's not going to give you a smile on your face.
0: <laughs> no, that's for sure. You know what? Uh, I mean, this is, one of the, this is one of his complaints with the American version of uh, Being Human. Are you still watching Being Human? I know this is not on topic here, but are you still watching Being Human? Uh,
1: not the U.S. version. I love the U.K. one so much I didn't want to mix my universes. Ah,
0: uh, yeah. Well, you know, in the, apparently in the alt-universe, the U.S. version is a bit darker than the U.K., so... <laughs> it was a bit dark for Miles, but anyways, and that's I think that's what Charlie Jade uh, was for uh, Miles as well. But I did finish it, and and as I said, I rated it a six point five, and I absolutely loved. The love of the show. By the way, I think someone said, isn't FM Lesore doing the music for being human? The new being. Absolutely. Human, Absolutely.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So there's that connection. I, so see, it was good. I brought it in because it does connect. But
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah,
0: because we haven't he hadn't done. I don't think he's done much since Charlie Jade that I know no.
1: of. No, not certainly not from a TV point of view.
0: So so very good to see him back in the scene, if for nothing else, to have him back on with the American version of Being Human, which a lot of people like. There's a lot of people saying they love the show. So, But I did enjoy the music uh, of Charlie Jane, and it was one of the highlights of the, the series, and I know I've talked about that before. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, do you want me to ramble on, or do you want to quiz me on it a little bit?
1: <laughs> I'm very curious to hear, knowing especially since we last spoke, as you got to those last, uh, you know, five or six episodes, you know, your thoughts on watching the the 01 boxer character and his changes that he went through.
0: All I know is that probably from episode 11, my love for boxer the character, uh, I began to love boxer the character much more. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes his change from being sadistic, uh, sadistic, maniacal to having just a lot of. Uh, you see him in the in the uh, universe, and he has his family, and there's a sense of care, love, and uh, and and so forth. And so he's so conflicted, so conflicted of a character that you have to kind of a uh, in a way maybe is one of the most developed characters. So you really can't. I, I couldn't end up when I first started the series. I hated Boxer, but in mm-hmm. the end, you have a little bit of sympathy and compassion for him.
1: Absolutely, uh, that's you, you know that uh, character. I, I got to say that character's journey is one of the biggest arcs I think I've seen for any character in any show of the course of one season. I mean, as you said, you, you think, you think you know him in the first three or four and you hate him. And by the end, you're like, Oh my God, I got to watch it again to see what that guy went through.
0: I know. know, It is just absolutely insane what he goes through. I mean, in every single universe, he lives a different life, you know, and, you know, he, and, and, you know, and he, and you know it takes him up to the end. it takes me you know the final episodes where he you know he takes out his father. I know that I'm spoiling if you've never watched Charlie Jade, but he takes out his father, and you understand why he would do so, even though you may not agree with that decision. Um, and and then his decision to link the universes and, uh, and, and 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 that whole twist in the end, and the fact that uh, him and Charlie Jade are kind of bonded in that is kind of it's just again. Charlie Jade himself doesn't really change. At least, I mean, he goes through trans- he does go through transformation, but it's not—it's not as big of a transformation as you see in O-1 Boxer.
1: No, you're absolutely right. Charlie is more the uh, the centerpiece, and we watch. We really, you know, that's what a lot of discussions come from. Folks, once they've seen the series, is even though even though the show is called Charlie Jade, the story is really the journey of O-1 Boxer with Charlie just at the center of it.
0: Yeah, you kind of you kind of uh I guess you see the world in some ways it revolves around Charlie J, but the characters like Rena, uh mm-hmm. yeah, which is another character that went through um well I'll talk about yeah. her cycle, her cycle of pain, her the abuse she suffered and to her kind of her redemption. Uh, it's just a um it's a pretty intense it's a pretty her, her journey her journey's just real intense as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's and again, that's not for the faint of heart. It's the same kind of thing. It's some very stu- dark storylines. No,
0: the so reason it has a what a mature rating on it, I believe.
1: Oh, I'm sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah for some of the stuff that has to do in the in the arena storyline.
0: Right. right, and and probably I think basically for that, even though there's some other brutal brutal scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I people have argued that one of the one of the. Uh, criticisms i've i've heard from people that have watched a series or have tried the series is that it moves fairly slow and i think um while there are some very intense action scenes it does move uh, at a very slow pace fairly slow at least by modern standards
1: oh absolutely it is it is snail slow compared to most modern television that's what yeah. makes it very difficult we're we're used to nowadays getting very much of the uh, you know, now, 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 go, 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 go. You know, don't stop to talk about it. <laughs> kind of TV shows, and that is not Charlie Jade. Charlie Jade is going to sit back. You're going to sip your tea, and and it's going to unfold slowly. And if you don't like that kind of storytelling, then you're right. It's, it's not for you.
0: Right. You know, there's yeah. so, there's some there. You know, there's some in- interesting episodes, especially as you get toward the end. There, um, I'm thinking of the one where Blue kind of crosses over, or seems to cross over, and Charlie Jade kind of wavers between the um, the beta and the alpha universes. Uh, nice. You know which episode I'm talking about, where she he's yep. he's conflicted with he's conflicted with where does he stay in the alpha and, and hang out with his. Uh, girlfriend slash concubine whatever she is Um, or does he you know work in the in the beta universe to try and uh, you know do what he needs to do and there's that kind of bridge Um, so I think that episode was kind of an interesting episode that came out of nowhere and then the final episode was uh, an entirely unique episode uh, so much so that you aren't sure what's dream and what's real at different points
1: and I think that's on purpose. I mean, that's where yeah. it makes you question, you know, what is reality and where where are these characters in relation to that?
0: You know, um, it's a little bit like, and I did not watch it so, but what I hear about the the TV show, uh, at least the American version of the TV show, Life on Mars, uh, where, you know, he goes back into, what, the 70s, and he, he lives his life, and then you find at the very end that he's on a spaceship to Mars. It almost has that feel in that at the very end, you find him in O one, one kind of hooked up to this machine, right? right. Uh, and there's this uh, linked verse, which I guess they're kind of in, right? Um, that, you know, kind of combined the three universes. And you wonder, was this all like a Neo Matrix dream type of thing? Or uh, did this really happen? Or were they linked the entire time? And we just get a glimpse into it. I'm not sure we know enough information to really get that.
1: Right. I mean, and that's part of where it makes you think and it doesn't give you an exact answer. You have to kind of interpret um, what it means to you. That's where it could create some great discussions, um, you know, yeah. in terms of uh, meaning of that. I mean, the whole, the guys in the gray suits and, you know, what their purpose is. And, and you know, you're absolutely right. That's, that's part of where the, if this is something that clicks with you as a viewer, that makes the rewatches, you know, easy because you want to go back and just, now that you know where the end is, you go back and try to see if you can see how it got there and what the different parts mean a second time around.
0: Right, and maybe draw more meaning from it. Then I have not gone back and rewatched it yet. Yeah, um, I yeah, still have the it, episodes, but I, you know, I haven't gone back and rewatched it yet. <laughs> but I, you know, yeah, I did I, think about that. You know, the other thing they do play into in the, uh, I don't know which episode. It's one of the final five episodes, I think, where um, Charlie realized that he can navigate these universes now that he can actually pass between them. And he, and he, and he jumps into something called the unknown universe or the unknown verse, um, which is a, which was funny watching it, knowing that in the very first episode, I suggested there were four universes and I was basing it on my misunderstanding of the subtitles. Right. (laughs) Um, But so it was interesting to see that, although that, that verse really doesn't seem to play in to the series, per se, unless that is the the linked verse, which I'm not sure we really get. Do you know?
1: Uh, kind of, but again, it's the interpretation thing. Um, it, is it specifically a certain thing? No, I think the concept is that for that short period when he's there is the idea that is it just a, if you will, a passageway, or is it in and of itself its own universe he doesn't stay there long enough for us to know, right? So I, you know, that's one of those things. I suppose that uh, you know, if this show had gotten three or four seasons, we might have been able to explore. But for the sake of the twenty episodes, as it is, I think I'd lean more towards it's just kind of the the passageway or the gateway between the worlds as we know them.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say no. The the you. Might enjoy, and any of the viewers that have watched Charlie Jade might um, enjoy the series of podcasts we did over at uh, charliejade.net, where uh, myself, Summer Brooks, and uh, R.A. Porter uh, discussed the series in, in like sets of five episodes. But even aside from our discussions and, the, and these kind of conversations, what does this mean? What did that mean? We did a uh, almost two hour interview with the series creator, Robert Wertheimer talking about all these different things and many of them i won't say he explained but he he gave more information the kind that you'd sit back and rub your chin and go hmm okay hadn't thought of that as well as talked about how if if it had come to pass he tells exactly how the second season would have begun right and and that's rather fascinating for someone who's seen the series uh, that that was very cool. I, I got to tell you, when he when he shared with us how season two would have opened, the three of us who were big Uber fans, the three of us, all of us, collectively went speechless for a couple of minutes, <laughs> oh. <laughs> thinking about what might have been. So, you know, that's that's where I reward Charlie Jade myself for all of its flaws or or the the pacing that takes some getting used to. Is that it? It's TV that makes you think, and we don't get much of that.
0: You know, and that is that is true. It does make you. Really think through it, makes you think it it does make you think, and you 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 mentioned that it reads very much like a book, and it it does, it really develops like a book and it's in its twists and its turns, and and yeah, I I agree with that. Um, what now, other than um, other than maybe pacing that we've kind of talked about here. Uh, in your opinion, Kevin, what were some of the uh, – what were some of the maybe some of the other flaws, if you view pacing as a flaw, or other well, areas that maybe were weak in Charlie Jane? I know I'm the one the, that's supposed to be on the docket here, but I'm gonna pick your <laughs> brain here.
1: Well, and that's why I'm curious your thoughts on it. I mean the reality is that they completely threw out the writers and some of the storylines around episode – I think it was eight – and brought in an entirely new writing staff so they had to question everything and and some elements got dropped some new elements came in um so that you know anyone who steps back and and looks at the episodes will kind of see where that happened so it certainly created for some very bumpy episodes around there where you kind of were wondering okay where are we going and right. then you know episode or two later you're like Okay this had nothing to do with what happened two episodes ago.
0: <laughs> I remember you um, talking to me about it and I did, I didn't know that was the story behind that.
1: Yeah and that's, no, they that's didn't.
0: probably it's probably where the where, where Owen Boxer really began to develop right after that.
1: Yeah that was part of it and the, and the other part was because this was a joint effort between uh, basically Canadian and South African um uh, financiers or or television uh moguls um they had to use a lot of South African visuals and storylines to qualify for the financing they need. Right. So there's one or two episodes where, like the one where Charlie basically spends an entire episode just looking for a missing person. Right. It doesn't really serve the big story, other than seeing him work as a detective. Um, Because, again, you had to really have a very strong South African story that was set there and was uh, dealt with... uh, uh, grieving when the person was lost and they had a funeral for them and everything else. So, you know, that's, that was kind of the f- the reality of financing that, Hey, you know, to get our money from our South African financiers, we've got to do a couple stories that look like it's a totally South African series. Hmm. So, you know, that's the nature of, of television and monies there. So that again, on reflection, you can kind of see where, okay, that's kind of something I can look past. Right. So that created a bit of a, mer- mer- you know, the story was slow to begin with, but with a couple of those factors in there for a couple of episodes, you really had to make sure that you were on board. Otherwise, by then, you're going, "What the hell's going on?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, in today's TV series, you can get away with an episode like that every once in a while because they are so fast-paced. But when you have right. a slow, when you have a slow series, that's a bit harder to pull off, and you know and. I don't, you know, I, I kind of made the commitment. I think one of the things that helped me get through it is I made the commitment to say, "Well, I'm watching this thing." You know, I I got a Sci-Fi rewind. I got to do. I got to watch this sucker. <laughs> but you know, it was more than that. I did enjoy seeing where they took a one boxer, and and there was a part of me that really enjoyed where they were taking, um, you know, Rena and, and Charlie, and uh, uh, what's what's his partner in crimes? Is detective in the Beta Universe, the uh, African American, the African guy. Oh, uh, Uh, Carl, right?
1: Yeah. Carl, Carl. you know, Carl, the, the, you know, the conspiracy theorist who thinks everything's aliens and and everything else, you know, the down to earth realist Carl, you
0: know? Right. right. Now now you mentioned earlier about how significant blue played into the entire ending. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wasn't sure. I mean, I saw her significance, but maybe there was more, maybe there was more to it than I kind of gauged. I mean, obviously a love interest for Charlie,
1: I think I think the the value of blues is that what you're kind of seeing is, is uh, and, and you said it very well too, I mean, Charlie's, you know, hard-ass, the first few episodes, you know, you're, you're not even sure you like the guy, for crying out loud, and he's our main character. So you're kind of like, wow, this guy's an a-hole, I mean, you know, what the hell's going on here, he doesn't seem to care about anybody. So I think that's uh, bringing in blues as the love interest is kind of opening up Charlie's mind a bit to realizing that there is when it comes to deciding because as you know he's got this concern about the universes can't exist and one of them's going to knock off the other basically something we've seen certainly in shows like Fringe and everything else but um, and his his relationship and love for blues shows him that sometimes you've got to look at the bigger picture it's not always about me <laughs> right and, and that's something he you know didn't have a good handle on for the first uh, half dozen episodes or so right. so well, you know, and that, it,
0: that plays into that, that whole, that whole one where that's, that's a whole challenge kind of Carl gives him is there's one redemptive fact about the episode where he's kind of walking through uh, a South African town looking for that missing person. It's the fact that he's doing it to look beyond himself. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is one. Yep. That's I mean, that's one of the, that is, if there's one big journey that Charlie Jay goes to, it's looking, it's, it's figuring that out and it takes him 20 episodes to do it, but.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and to a certain degree. I mean, that's why part, and you mentioned it earlier with the the music by Eflam uh, Lassure, is that, that this is an experienced TV show in the sense, whether it's the music or the visuals, you know, the cinematography is just beautiful. Some of the the landscapes and, and the Blade Runner-esque style look of the universes, it really creates a very visual uh, experience that you can really kick back and enjoy in that sense. So even if the story or the characters are are moving slowly, you, you, for a change from a TV show, you get the chance to let your senses just kind of take all of this in.
0: Right. Well, and, and you know, again, I think visually, I know that you said it was done on a, a fairly moderate budget and, um, or maybe even potentially low budget. But, you know, when I watched this, I didn't think about budget. You know, I didn't, it didn't, it was done in such a way or filmed in such a way that visually it was still stunning. There were scenes that were breathtaking in it. Um, mm-hmm. the, I think some of the sets, uh, even the prison where they're down below and that waterfall behind the prison is somehow this prison's beautiful. You know, there's a sense of beauty behind the prison, um, mm-hmm. and so I think that they've done they did something really good things. And, and I, again, one of the things that you know people that have seen the series always say is the music, the music, the music, the music.
1: So. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, it it was. There were major financial constraints, certainly by the back third of the series. I mean, um, the series creator, uh, Robert Wertheimer, he actually also, for the Charlie Jade podcast, he recorded uh, several full episode commentaries um, that we have posted over on that site, too, along with a couple of the writers that came on board near the end, Dennis McGrath and some others. And and they, you know, in, in a very joking but serious manner, mentioned how there were times where they literally were out of money. So it was like, we have to write a scene where we do nothing but shoot Charlie in the car. <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> we got to shoot conversation because we can't even afford more than two uh, locations this week or something. So wow. w- when you when you realize how little they had, you step back and go, holy crap, they really made this thing look, in some degrees, very expansive and, and epic when, when they obviously didn't have two nickels to rub together. Wow.
0: And I think that makes it – I mean, I, I think that makes the series at least uh, – a, a very commendable series because of that, mm-hmm. and you do it with such a low budget, and we—I um, I think it's great. And you know, it's, it's for those of you that are listening that may not have watched Charlie Jade. I think that if you've not watched it, you need to give the series a go, and you need to give a series more than just one or two episodes. You have to at least give it half the episodes before you make your decision, because as Kevin and I have been talking, it does not pick up until the second half of the episodes. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I mean you have you have to enjoy uh, the journey. You have to like puzzles. You have to like you know uh, being mentally uh, you know pushed a bit to understand what's going on. So some people don't always take to that well, and I don't mean that as a put down on them. But you know they they kind of want to know where we're going sometimes, and you don't. You have to with this show. You have to be comfortable comfortable being said. We're going to take you on a journey. We can't tell you where you're going, and we're not even sure if you're going to like it till the end. (laughs) Right. So if you don't don't have the confidence or the time to want to do that, then it's probably not the kind of show for you. I mean, that doesn't mean it's the best show ever or the worst show ever. It's just – it's very unique. You're not going to find many other shows that you can compare it to.
0: Yeah, and if you're looking for comedy, this is not it.
1: This is definitely, definitely not, it.
0: not it it's very serious there's <laughs> very few light-hearted moments there's some moments that'll make you smile I think of the uh the Jedi uh, character in it what's her name again Jedi Jedi Jody Jedi Jody you know she certainly makes you smile in there yeah. but even there I wouldn't say that it's something that makes you outright laugh yeah
1: no humor uh, is not something you're gonna get in here that's no. definitely not the case you know, a
0: lot of pain and a lot of heartache but uh, but again a show that definitely i'm glad that you suggested it kevin
1: Oh, good and i'm and i'm glad you gave it a try i mean i the, the biggest one of the biggest problems too for for folks as far as watching this show is that there is not a us or north american dvd release right so you know you you've got to you know you've got to really put in some effort uh, meaning either the only place it's available legally is uh uh the uk region 2 DVDs. so you either have to have a player you know, that can play multiple regions, or uh, maybe, you know, um, uh, many Blu-ray players nowadays, for example, will play these, because the discs themselves are actually, uh, they're sold only by Amazon.co.uk, and the discs are region-free, but being from the UK, they're PAL-formatted, so you put them in a regular DVD player, and, and you get squiggly lines, so you got to have a a player that can handle it, so you really either got to use one of the alternative means online or kind of roll up your sleeves and be willing to figure out how to play these puppies
0: yeah yeah so I believe that's all that I have to say any questions you have for me As that I think we did a pretty good job talking about Dark Angel and Charlie Jade here
1: yeah hopefully I mean the the goal of this which definitely from some of the comments I know I saw over at our site and I think you did too Scott is that you know got some folks interested in trying these things out or sharing their thoughts on them and that's what we all love is the conversations these shows generate so I'm yeah, I'm glad a lot of you really enjoyed these discussions.
0: Yeah, a lot of people watching uh, Dark Angel and Charlie Jade with us, and got some listener feedback from that. And uh, is this a good, good enough, good enough I need to read it.
1: Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah. This is from Radu, and I believe that Radu and you actually had a conversation about this, so you might have more insight into this as well. But let me read. This is the original email that he sent. Uh, and his commentary about Charlie Jade. He said, I just finished um, I just finished, and by the way uh, Redu, thank you for this because uh, we love hearing from people that are also watching this uh, as we are. He watched it much faster than I did. I think he got through it at least half the time Um, but I finished watching the last episode of Charlie Jade. I'm now glad I've seen the whole series, but it was not a smooth ride by any stretch. My level of interest climbed from zero to 10 during the first five episodes and stayed there till about the 15th and then slowly started to dissipate and ended about five at the end. If it wasn't for the high quality of music and cinematography, I'd probably have finished watching I probably would have never finished watching it. The storyline was very interesting to me up until the point they started to attempt to explain things. Um, the last two episodes did not sit with me uh, well at all. I can't explain it, but the whole dreamlike sequence and Charlie's sudden ability to travel anywhere felt very cheap and made up. Also, not understanding what O1's agenda really was most of the time did not help either. I'm going to stop reading. He has a little bit more to his email. Uh, do you want to comment on any of that, Kevin?
1: Uh, the only thing, and I think Redu and I did exchanged a few emails on this point, um, which was an excellent observation, was the what he's referring to. If you're, you know, you enjoy spoilers and haven't seen the series, um, and are still listening at this point, yeah. is that um, rather quickly it seemed like Charlie finally realized uh, that he could move between universes, like Oh One had been able to do throughout the entire series. That was one of the biggest mysteries to Charlie, is how was O one doing it, and, and could I do it, or could it be done? And it seemed to come very quickly when Charlie finally realized that the key was water. That with the right frame of mind and, and the water, uh, that was the conduit between universes. So his p- reduced concern that it seemed rather quick for him to be able to do it, visually, yes, you go for whatever it was, two-thirds, three-quarters of the series, and he's never done it. And all of a sudden, in the course of one episode, he can do it. But I think the reason why is this was one of those aha moments when he realized how simple it was and that it was very much just understanding what the conduit was and how your mental approach would allow you to do it. So in that sense, yes, it seemed like it was very easy or quick, but only because it was like a giant jigsaw puzzle that you had to get that final piece before you could see the whole picture.
0: Right. And I and I understand the comment about Owen Boxer as well, uh, being not really unsure what his agenda is. Although I kind of partway through said, well, he's not really for Vexcor, um, which is kind of a juxtaposition. Then at the end, when he becomes ahead of it, but even then, it's, it's not like he is. It's not like he's really trying to destroy the uh, what is it, Beta Verse, as um, they think. At least that's my, that's my understanding of a one-boxer.
1: Right. And, and another thing that comes into play here is that, uh, and we saw this in one of the episodes, uh, when one of the VEX Corps execs when, uh, was basically told to commit suicide to, to help out O1's father. Um, because what happened is when the average person would try to move between universes, it, it literally did suck some of their life force out of them. So, the more they did it, the more degraded their body got. Um, and that's where 01 was a little different. He was able to move without it really physically hurting him all that much. But a lot of the concept that you can step back and, and kind of interpret in the show if you want to is that while it may not have physically hurt 01, it totally fracked with his head. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is why in each universe, he's a little different. And throughout the series, he appears to be changing what his. Um, modus operandi is a bit. And that's where the conjecture part for me and some other folks is, well, that's because while it may not have knocked down his body like it did a lot of people, it totally messed with his head to the point where he was, you could almost consider him schizophrenic or or yeah. office rocker.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, he goes on to say, I really like Carl's character the most. It had many dimensions. Uh, in a many dimensions and felt the most real of them all. On the other hand, I did not like Rena's character too much. It felt rushed and subpar acting at times. The rest of the cast was somewhere in between. Overall, I'm glad to have seen the show, but I'm also glad I'm done with it. At the same time, this is one not for the impatient ones, as we've been saying. Uh, I was tested thoroughly. Um, I was tested thoroughly, and that's definitely not. Uh, how you want to feel after finishing off a TV series. <laughs> True. I, I watched it. Watch it make up your own mind. There's a good chance you're going to like a lot of it, or never finish it. Yep. Cheers. And right that's in.
1: where I, yep. And <laughs> I told him, you hit the nail exactly on the head. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I
0: pretty much agree. And, uh, you know, I agree that Carl's I didn't think Arenas was, pretty, was really subpar as far as the acting. At least I didn't think about it. But, but I, too, like Carl's character a lot.
1: Well, Carl's probably the most uh, identifiable character that you you know you see people like Carl in a lot of other TV shows. You can kind of appreciate him. You can see yourself sitting down having a drink with him. You know, there's, there's you can identify. So that certainly creates, I think, some comfort level. A lot of the other characters, not so much, <laughs> either for the way they act or what they do or what they have to go through. You don't want to identify and think of yourself, you know, like uh, being in Rena's position, for example. It's right. that's not a comfor- comfortable no. place to go.
0: Uh interesting though, Dre, uh who also wrote in, actually said that he his favorite characters um his favorite character was Rina. He said, I just yep. love I just love the actress, and the close second was uh what Sus- Susu. Soso. Soso Yes, Soso,
1: two cars. Yeah. For a name. <laughs> so yeah, it is.
0: Well he he actually one of the other things he said the thing he loved about the series were the names Soso Dakars, Owen Boxer, Essa Romkin, just great names all around.
1: Yeah, yeah, they and went to the town on some of
0: stuff. Yeah, Charlie Jade and stuff. Um, uh, some of his, some of the rest of his email says, "I wanted to share my thoughts about Charlie Jade and thank you for turning me on to it." So he appreciated us turning it on. Um, I really really enjoyed the show and I'm finishing up the last few episodes. Here's a couple questions uh, for your show and some observations. The verses. I think they should never show the verse name on the screen. It would, have, it would have taken a lot longer for the viewer to figure out what was going on, and it would have been kind of fun to try to figure out which verse you were watching during the show. Obviously, there are plenty of clues to go on given all the visual differences between the verses. I just thought that stating the verse was kind of like dumbing down the show. It had been like Lost telling you uh, who the others are from the beginning. What do you think?
1: Uh, I can understand that. Again, it's, I think it's a case of while the TV execs were willing to give them a lot of latitude with this whole crazy sci-fi story, they did want to at least think that there was some simple way to let people know where they were at. So you're right. It was uh, valuable, but only to some people. So I see his point very much.
0: Yeah, and you know what? And I think if you do that the first episode, that's understandable. But then once you've established that, yeah. I mean, Charlie's Jade is not the type of series you want to jump into the middle and watch anyways. No. So you have to watch them from the first episode. So if you establish that in the first episode, um, you know, yeah. then that's, that should be enough, I, I would think.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because by, by, that, by that point, you start to tell by the colors and the look, you know, you can easily tell which one you're in. So you're right. It, it, after a while, it was a bit overkill. Yeah.
0: So I believe that's it as far as the emails go. So, I think that's about it for this show. We don't have a lot more. I don't have a lot more to say. Do you have anything else you want to add yet?
1: No, just that it was a it was a lot of fun. I give you a lot of credit for sticking with it, Scott. Yeah.
0: Well thank you. you and know, uh, I, we we, we got to figure out our next shows.
1: Yeah, we got to take a look and see what's uh, coming down the line to figure out where to go next. But I'm I'm glad you know the feedback from listeners of both of our shows and on our forums and Twitters. Very, very positive to the idea and to the different shows, and I love to see that come out from the community, get so
0: involved. Yeah, people, people like the rewind, so that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. That's pretty good. I don't know, you were, you were egging me on to watch the original series. Maybe that'll have to be it. Either that or maybe, <laughs> maybe Legend of the Seeker. Yeah, I haven't watched
1: well, it. You, the thing is, you've got. I got. I got to admit, when I look at the list of things um, that you have on your potential list, I, on any given day, I can pick one ahead of another. So it's going to be a tough choice. <laughs> yeah, it, it for will different be. reasons.
0: Oh yeah, and there's a uh, different. Uh, <sighs> there's. I think I need something a little bit lighter. <laughs> go
1: <laughs> yeah, I started you out with the heavy course meal, didn't
0: I? <laughs> you, you, you did, and that's that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I, you know, you can find out the Sci-Fi Diner. You can find us at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast.com. Kevin, where can they find out more about the show that you run?
1: Uh, right over at tv.com.
0: Yep. Well, thanks for sticking with us, and we'll catch you later. Take care, everybody. Sci-Fi Rewind is a collaborative effort between the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast and the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. If you would like more excellent sci-fi content, please check out one of these shows. Please email us at scifirewind at gmail.com.